Welcome to the Yoga Teeth Podcast, mindfulness for dental professionals. I'm your host, Heather Bolton. Kara RDHEP is a co-founder and chief content officer of Today's RDH, a digital media company for dental hygienists, encompassing a daily publication, podcast, virtual continuing education events, and self-study CEs. Kara is recognized as one of the largest social media influences in dental hygiene, with a following of over 200k dental hygienists and other dental professionals. Kara was recognized in 2020 as one of the top 100 women in media for her entrepreneurship as a co-founder of today's RDH. In 2022, she was recognized by the American Dental Hygienist Association for their standout seven award in the entrepreneurship category. A graduate of the Oregon Institute of Technology, Kara has a deep passion for spreading knowledge about the importance of oral health and its relation to systemic health. Kara's passion extends to helping other hygienists understand the latest protocols, products, and research, all with the goal of pushing the dental hygiene profession forward. Kara currently lives in Vancouver, Washington, just outside Portland, Oregon, with her husband, Ben, and their four chihuahuas. In her free time, you will find Kara on her quad, riding the Oregon dunes, spoiling her chihuahuas, and cherishing every moment with her family and friends. Let's welcome Kara. So excited and honored to have her here. Hello. Hello. It's so nice to meet you. You like, too. Yeah. I love your microphone. Oh, thanks. name on it. So yeah. cute. I need to get a new one that actually has the Today's RDH logo on it. It's on my to-do list. Problem is, is that to-do list is very long. And yes. It's not exactly a priority. But I you. totally get it. Well, I'm honored that you even uh, said yes to being on my show today because I know you're so busy. Oh, well, ditto right back at you because, yeah, I just to be asked is like, you know, so thank you. Thank you. Of course. I am so honored, like I said again. And I feel like you are an icon with research and just um, mindfully helping people understand like the protocols and products and research for all hygienists. Thank you. I do my best. That's that's all that's all I can do so I do do my best so thank you right I well, today I asked you to be on the show today because I really feel like you're really good at research and just providing accurate information for hygienists not just a bias just letting hygienists choose and that is a very hard thing to do I feel like you probably have to be really mindful about that so I just want to interview you about that. So why did you choose to start Care RDH and all of this? Where was the seed for all of it? Oh, how long do we have? No, um, <laughs> it, it's, it's, and I'll try and give it to you in a nutshell. Um, bear with me because I tend not to be a nutshell here, but I might as well just kind of give the whole gamut. Um, back in hygiene school, we, um, our instructors, they, brilliant. I have nothing but great things to say about my instructors and my program. Um, they said, Hey, once we start a clinic, they're like, this is not an assignment. It's not a homework. It's, you don't have to do it, but Hey, we recommend you making this like a, a clinical binder, like a, like something that you can like look at like a guide. 
uh, going through soap notes like vitals and, you know, gingival description and chair positions. And then once we get on to anesthesia, like, you know, insertion points, how much anesthesia, like all these things. And so I was like, oh, yeah, 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 that's a good idea. So I did. And and I added to it and added to it and added to it. And still today, I still update it and add to it when I see fit, right? And so my teachers later on, um, right as the incoming class, so it was a year in, um, the incoming class was coming in and they were about to start clinic. My teachers were like, oh, hey, um, looked at it. They're like, oh, you, you did this. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's really helped. Thank you. You know, great idea. Um, they're like, can you like make? us the copy and so we can show the incoming class and I was like oh yeah absolutely so I did and one of my teachers came back and she was like um will you sell this to them and I was like um I, I am I allowed to do that they're like we're literally asking we're actually telling you like can you just do this <laughs> and so I was like oh okay okay and, um, and unfortunately, my school has since closed. That's a whole nother story there. But um, and up until its closure, the building, not my school, it's just the building, that program. Um, I think I sold it to about 90 or 95% of each incoming class. Wow. So fast forward to working. Um, when I, my teachers made no, they did not hide the fact that when I graduated, the hygiene market was very saturated. Good luck getting a job. Absolutely good luck. And when you do, here's what you need to look for. You need to have the amount of time you need. You need the equipment and instruments you need, the whole gamut. And so I'm now temping like nine months at this point. And when I say temping, I mean attempting to temp because even good luck getting a temping job, right? Wow. And so I finally was offered a job and I will scream from the rooftops now, do not make the mistake I made, please, please, please. Um, I was uh, offered a position and um, the doctor said, well, you know, it is 30 minute appointments. And I'm like, oh, oh. Uh oh, and uh, he said, "Oh, don't worry, don't worry. There's always an assistant that will help you." Um, one of our offices of the four that you will be working at does have two operatories. You know, you're fine. Okay, okay. Well, lo and behold, um, even if there was six assistants there, um, the doctor saw thirty to seventy patients on average. I counted, um, and it was not their fault. They didn't have time to help. They were running as much as I was running. And so it was, and then I wasn't even given a lunch. Oh, you'll get a lunch and you'll actually have longer because we have so many cancellations and no shows. Well, that was not the case. Um, so I was miserable. Um, I was wondering, like my, my cousin's a dentist. So I was like, this is not, this is what I'd always wanted to do. And I'm like, I, and I should say he's my mom's dentist. So he'd been my cousin or my dentist since I was like seven. Um, and I'm like, this is not what I thought this was about. And oh, poop. Now I have student loans and, you know, all this stuff. And it's like, if, because if this is what dentistry is, like, I don't feel comfortable being a part of this. So you start like resenting your career choice, right? And what you went to school for something that you actually really do love. And so here I am. Um, I, I have so much anxiety. I <laughs> crying more than I did in hygiene school, if you can imagine. That says um, a lot. That says a lot. And um, it was the dread. I mean, everyone kind of gets the, you know, the a case of the Mondays and has kind of, oh, it's work. But like, this was bad. This was like, I'm, I'm now throwing up. I'm crying on my way to work. I am, you know, this is bad. I'm losing a lot of weight. Um, it broke me mentally and physically. I'll just put it that way. Plus, a, you know, existential crisis in my brain about like, I'm not doing the best I can. And I'm also creating bad habits and breaking myself even more. 
anywho, and so my boyfriend, now husband at the time and business partner, um, he was like, okay, this is no, nope, nope, nope. Because I'm looking for a new job every day. Made that my part-time job, looking for a new job. And I did eventually find a new job, by the way, a wonderful office. Um, He was like, okay, what can we do? What can we do? And I was like, oh. I was like, because, you know, one of the people I knew, Esther Wilkins, she, and if anyone knows her story, um, she, you know, created the entire hygiene program where she worked and there were no, all the books were so outdated, the textbooks. And so she just wrote pages and she would hand it out to her students, hand it out to her students. And someone had happened to walk into her office and was like, hey, you should get this published. The rest is history, right? Now I'm not saying, oh, I'm going to be the next Esther Wilkins. Nope. Only she holds that spot. That is not what I'm saying here. But I was like, oh, well, I have this clinic reference, right? Like, maybe I can get that published. And I didn't want to self-publish because, you know, I want this to be for like for students and, you know, it's medical, um, things like that. So it's like I need a, an agent, a publisher, all this stuff. So kind of meta here, both my boyfriend and I, now husband, um, we then buy books on how to be published. And they all said, good luck. Um, unless you have an audience, good luck to get an agent, get published, any of that. Okay. Okay. So then at the time we're looking and how do you build an audience? How do you build an audience? Well, everybody, um, like when you look at the statistics, 80% of people who had access to internet, a computer, phone, whatever, were on Facebook. So we're like, okay, that's where we're going to go. So that's what we did. Created a Facebook page, General Hygiene with Care RDH. And it's weird talking about myself in third person there. Um, (laughs) They, so we, that's what we did. And I posted, you know, articles that helped me, especially as like even a newer hygienist, I'm a couple of years out. And, um, you know, but then a lot of people remember the e-cards, the memes, the funnies, right? Um, but what people I, I don't think think about of that is that from those in the comments, a lot of good patient care tips and a lot of um, things that actually helped me. And so I'm hoping they at least helped one other person. Like I learned a lot from that, right? And so from there, once you build an obvi- audience, like just things happened. And I, I worked with um, two other publications before um, starting today's RDH. And um, and it was kind of like, hmm, basically from what I was hearing and what I experienced myself, it was like, I, I don't want to say oh, we can do it better, um, but we can do it different. And so that's then how today's RDH kind of came to be. And they're skipping a whole bunch of stuff there. Um, however, that's that. And it's funny because the clinical reference still is unpublished, sitting right on my bookcase right next to me. Um, But that's okay, right? Like that was just the path that, so basically I needed to do something different. There was no real path here. So it was like, I, there was no door to walk through. So my husband helped me build a door and then I had to be brave and walk through it. Um, It wasn't handed to me on a silver platter. No one told me how to do it. Um, besides me and my husband working together and now my team at today's RDH and my dear friends that I've made along the way. So that's kind of how that started in a nutshell. That is amazing. I love it. You, was that like overwhelming or like, just like what they want me to sell all these books? What a compliment. I, well, I literally had to ask, like, can I do this? Like that, that was an, an odd thing for me. Um, very odd. Even like having like the social media presence and people that even know who I am, um, that is very humbling. And it's a huge responsibility, a huge responsibility that I take profoundly seriously. 
Um, and I don't always get it right. I'll be the first to say I am an imperfect human and, and I have a help. There's people I go to for help um, that I need gut checks from and things like that. Um, but I, I do do the best I can. And that's, that's all I can really say about that is I, I do try and I take the responsibility seriously. That's really, really awesome. I love that so much that I'm laughing because my class um, voted me most likely to be the next Esther Wilkins. Oh, yay. So I'm like, your yeah, class should have asked you to do, like, you should have been voted that, not me. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Um, I, no, I did not win any or be voted anything like that at all. Um, it was just, it just came out of not a good place, quite frankly. Um, but finding a solution to it instead of sitting on the sidelines and yap, 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 complaining. It was like, no, you you can't complain if you're not trying to do something about it. So that's what I did. And that's what my husband, I'll just call my husband. Um, yeah, that's he he taught me that. That was him. Um, and so I did it. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. I feel like that's a lot of the inspirational people, that's how they live. And I think that might be part of the reason why you're so inspirational to so many hygienists, because you have, I'm speaking truth, girl. Oh, I'm like, it's it's just me. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so I'm just really appreciated that you want to be here on today. And so what, are you really interested in research or are you more interested in educating hygienists and just helping them? Like, where does that stem from too? Both. Both, both, both. And um, it comes from, I, I guess I should say, like, not everyone can attend every continuing education course out there. Not everyone can go to a conference, let alone a national or international conference, even if it is in the States. You know, not everyone can go to these. Like, how do you know? You don't know what you don't know, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and and I'm still learning massively. And because you weren't just taught everything you need to know, right? In hygiene school and things change. Um, That's a big thing. Things change. The amount of updating I've done to that clinical reference, um, I will not give you a list, but things change. And so that's, that's really where it stemmed from was like, Hey, let's, let's try and really, um, you know, look at what's out there. What, like, for instance, like manufacturers, their claims, like, read the research on those claims. Do they have things to back them up? Like really dig into that. And um, it's like for me, even before today's RDH um, and especially with today's RDH, like we only work with a um, a, a limited amount of um, partners, advertising partners, because um, I do pay all my writers and I my team does need to put food on their table. Um, it's the right thing to do. Um, so yes, we do. I Yes, how we have advertising dollars. Um, this is a business. Um, but with that, um, we tell people no, like no, thank you, um, more than we say yes because any claim that needs to be made or that they want to make or something that they want to educate hygienists or the you know dental prof- uh, profession more dental professionals about, they I need to see the research to that, and um, I, I need to see things that back that up and and then based on that i will not i do not endorse products i will not tell anybody that so and so is the best and you should only be using this 
it's kind of like what you said before, like, that's not my place. I'm not going to dictate that to anybody. Um, we all have learned critical thinking skills and what works for me or someone else might not work for them or their patients. And so I just try and I try my very best to just put objective information out there. And if anyone has a question with it about it, I can share the research that I read. Um, again, do I always get it right? Nope. Um, but I try. And so that's what I do because it can be very confusing. Like, let's say you hear a claim or you read an article and like, is that article sponsored? Like, or that someone paid to say that, like, for like for today's RDH, if an article is sponsored and it mentions like a product or a service or a yada, yada, big disclaimer, this is sponsored. Um, because otherwise it's confusing. And I've heard that from other people too. It's confusing. Like, does this person really just love this product? And in a lot of cases, yes, maybe they do. Or are they saying that because there's, you know, something else? So transparency is a huge thing too. So it's just one of those things that like, I just, I chose to do differently. Not everybody else agrees and not everybody else does it that way. And it's okay. That's okay. Everyone has their own cup of tea um, and is their own cup of tea. Um, I just, I just chose to do it differently. Yeah. And, and, like it, I love what you said before about being, it's not that I'm going to try and do it better. I'm just going to do it different. And then everyone mm -hmm. has a, a thing that works great for them because there's different options for all the patients and all the hygienists. And that's why knowledge is so powerful because then we can offer different options to everyone. Yeah. And you, I mean, you have to, and if you don't know, you don't know, like, how do you know if something new comes out? Or how do you know if a is, um, you know, think about like antibiotic prophylaxis or when the blood pressure guidelines change or even AAP guidelines. And now we're staging and grading. Like if you don't know, how, how do you know? So that's, that's, that's my goal there. Um, I think everyone deserves to have that education or to have access to that education. So that's, it's important to me. You know, I would want that for myself. And I guess it comes, but, you know, treat others how you'd want to be treated or, you know, have the, that's what I would want for myself. So that's just what I tried to, to do. Do you have favorite sources that you use or is it just all like universal and a, a bunch of different sources? Like, um, I, I do try to go to like um, valid, you know, I do try and make sure that the, anything that I do read is valid or backed up by valid research it comes down to taking the time and reading it and we can go into that later if you want um it, it, it's it, it just it's more just about just taking the time and really digging in and seeing is this is this a good study that backs this up or is this questionable can you poke holes holes in it mm -hmm. I suppose yeah, I would, I totally agree. I had an assignment in dental hygiene school where we had to just go onto a random website and see where the, mm -hmm. what is its source? Who's endorsing it? Where, who did the research? Was it the company that did the research or an outside source that did the research on that product? Um, for people or students or hygienists or other professionals that maybe research isn't their biggest strength what mm -hmm. advice do you have for them to be able to like see if this is a valid case or not um I had to do the same thing in hygiene school um basically summarize the research and then though my instructors didn't say this but rip it apart poke holes in it 
what were the limitations? What were the biases? Like you mentioned, um, I always just say, and in instead of just, oh, research states, if someone says, even if it's in a social media group, um, or you see it online or a manufacturer, even if I say it or someone else, you know, that is, is an expert. I'm not saying I'm an expert. Let's say they're an expert in that. And they say it, um, go back and actually take the time to read it. Like what they're saying that the research states, does the research actually state that did the design of the study actually come to that actual conclusion? Or is that being kind of warped, bended, cherry-picked, dare I say, things of that nature. There is, and it takes time, and it takes effort, and you do have to, you know, take that time and effort, and I think a lot of people are lacking in time and energy, you know, it just, yeah. that's one of those things, but I, I really, really, really encourage people to actually take the time, and then, and step back and think, and ask yourself more questions. Like, I'm not an expert at, um, going through research and evaluating it and breaking it all down. I do have some people I know that are, that I reach out to all the time. And I say, Hey, I'm reading this. Is this really saying, what do you think about this? Like gut check, please gut check either that or help explain it to me. Like I'm four, you know, <laughs> things like that. It, no one's again, no one's perfect. You just have to take the time because I have seen, some things, and I do not want to throw anybody under the bus, and I don't want to throw any manufacturer company, anything under the bus. Mm -hmm. However, I have seen hundreds, if not thousands of people, hygienists at this point, verbatim saying something from a manufacturer. And it, and it's like, ooh, in, when you look at what that study is based on, or multiple studies, you, it, it's interesting. It's like, ooh, did you read that though? Like was, how did they, again, how did they come to that conclusion? Were they even using said product or said device or said oral home care aid according to manufacturer instructions in a way that does not cause harm, pain, or damage? Like really, really look at that. Uh, it just, it's taking, it's taking the time. Um, and to speak to bias, it's interesting because in hygiene school, they said, you know, as I think we're all told, well, be careful, you know, if, if it's a manufacturer like funding the study or paying for the study. Oh, oh, you know, be careful there. Be careful with blanket statements though, because just because a manufacturer funded the study, it doesn't automatically make it invalid. Can there be bias? Absolutely. Again, you have to look at it. I would argue um, I've seen multiple manufacturers on both ends of the spectrum where some are so good um, and I've even met some of their chemists, their R&D people, their research people. Um, and I consider some of them friends, even um, even manufacturers I don't even work with right now. Um, so I can honestly say this from a non-biased place. And then I've seen others that it's it's not so good. Because if you think about research, a lot of research is done um, in at universities and whatnot. And a lot of it is students getting their working towards their doctoral degree, right? So if that research isn't done, but a certain manufacturer needs, we need to have this control, we need this population, we need these experimental groups, You, they've got to get their research somewhere, right? And so, and I'd, I'd argue also that these people doing the research, they deserve to be paid for their work. They have to go to the grocery store and be able to eat dinner too. So yeah, sometimes manufacturers do pay for research and it is funded by them. 
However, again, go back and look at that research before you're going to just put a blanket statement out and say, oh, invalid. Because again, some are, you might find, you might, it might be hard for you to poke holes in it and further, or it might be really easy. It just, some manufacturers are really good. Maybe some aren't, but you've got to take the time to look, to decide. Just don't, don't do that blanket statement. That's, that's one of my, I encourage people about that and warn, I guess I should say. That's a really good point. I learned that today. You just educated me. And, oh, uh, thank you. Yeah. I would always just say, oh, it was funded by that person. Nope. So that's a really good point. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And a lot of people do. And I don't, and I don't want to blame like hygiene instructors or hygiene school, but I think that a lot of people took what we heard and were like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, that's a no-go. Anytime we see that, just no. But I think like for me, for example, it's like, can you speak to that for like 10 or 15 more minutes? In fact, can we spend the rest of the hour of this class talking about that? Um, I, I, give me more. And it, and it's, so that's something, again, I learned later. I learned later. And, um, but you have to have an open mind to learn that too, right? Um, you, you have to be open to learning. And when things change, it's okay to change your mind. So you have to be open to that. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's a great statement that all hygienists can learn from because it's it's just constantly growing, more research, more mm -hmm. knowledge. And so it totally works. What would you recommend for the products that don't have research yet? That's tough. Um, you know, that is really tough because how we, uh, dentistry is an evidence-based field, right? And we should be providing treatment, product recommendations, things like that, based on research of efficacy or even risks. So it, it's very hard if there's not really research backing the efficacy. It's very, and again, I don't want to make a blanket statement here, but it is very hard for me to say, oh, that's a good one. I don't need the research to know it's good. I, I, I tend to be very careful about that. That's just me. That's the way I guess I roll in that, in, in that way. Yeah, I think that's totally fair because how can you back something up or promote something even if it's just in your op with your patient if you don't have any like thing to back it up? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just, I'm, that's just the way I see yeah. it. And again, don't want to say a blanket statement because you never, you never know. There's, there could be an instance where th that's not the case, but I don't know, generally speaking. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that is totally fair to say with um, chlorhexidine, for example, there's a lot of research saying that that is possibly a, like a really good thing. And then I tried to do research for all these like more herbal um, options. What are your thoughts on that? Not throwing out a blanket statement, just like the idea that. It's very, I'm glad you, that's, that's a very interesting, that's a point. Um, chlorhexidine, if you actually read the instructions, it is for gingivitis patients. This is, we're not talking people with active bone loss, things like that. And it's only supposed to be prescribed for a certain amount of time, right? And so if you look at studies, you will find studies that say, oh, it inhibits fibroblasts. 
um, you know, growth, reattachment, et cetera, et cetera, the same way povidone iodine does, by the way. Uh, same study says found the same thing. However, keep in mind, you have to dig a little deeper. What kind of study was this? This was in vitro, meaning it was in a tube or in a Petri dish in a lab. And I have so many examples of this, but I'll try and stay focused here. <laughs> and it's like, are those studies important? Absolutely. Absolutely. You got to start somewhere. And sometimes they can absolutely relate to real life. However, the thing you have to be careful with is that this was shown here. So yes, while research does show that, can we say the same for the mouth? I don't know. Now, the one thing I will say about chlorhexidine, it has its place. It has its place. Is that for actual perio patients? Well, not according to the manufacturer's instructions, instructions for use. Um, and also not according to, if you actually do research on like irrigation, irrigation has been found subgingival irrigation. It doesn't matter if it's with water, chlorhexidine, or anything else. Um, it, it's found to be ineffective, like scaling and or non-surgical periodontal therapy, like scaling, um, when compared to scaling in conjunction with it's, there's no difference. So it's kind of like, why, why are we doing this? And plus we have curricular, curricular fluid and saliva, like it comes out and in chlorhexidine further is inactivated by blood. Well, I'd argue having infection, you have blood. So it's like, why, why are we doing this? Even when I was in hygiene school, my Wilkins book even says there for years now, evidence shows this does not work. You know, subgingival irrigation with chlorhexidine, don't do it. And this is a very old book. And so it's, I, I, I kind of shake my head like, why, why is, why are we asking about, why are we doing this? <laughs> this is not, it's not evidence-based protocol is all I'm saying. So great example. Great example. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I've just always been like interested in it. Like, why aren't we doing like lots of options, like depending on the patient, but yes. it's hard. We like, I think as hygienists and just all dental professionals, there's a lot of pressure because we have so limited time with the patient. And so mm -hmm. it's, sometimes it's easier just to do the protocol. Yeah. Yeah. But, but in with that, sometimes you have to step back and you have to reevaluate that protocol. And again, that takes time and it's probably not going to be done while you're at work, you know, because limited time with the patient. Oh boy. Yes. Do I understand that? And so, yeah, it's a conundrum. It's a rock and hard spot. It's, it's a conundrum. Yeah, totally agree. Going back to one of your first jobs that you had with 30 minutes appointments, was that double hygiene? Um, so I, like technically, a... technically I had, and there's the accelerated hygiene, double hygiene, assisted hygiene. There's all these things that you could call it. Um, I basically, I had one column and it was just thir every 30 minutes, every 30 minutes. And so I don't know what you would call that. I would call that very poor patient care, um, quite frankly, if I am being honest. And uh, so not assisted, promised an assistant, not assisted. If it was assisted, and I'm not saying that there is anything wrong with like assisted hygiene or doing it that way, because if you have a great assistant and you guys work just like it just mesh so well, it can work. Don't get me wrong. But you have it has to run like like you have to just be the same people like it's so I'm not saying I am not throwing that completely under the bus but it has to be done right 
And the way I was exposed to that, it was not done right. And it literally broke me. So there's that. Yeah, you must be like a superhero because that's like, no, almost. No, not superhero, not superhero. I, I, that was, that was barely surviving is what that was and feeling kind of poopy at the end of the day um, because of the patient care I was giving. That's not, it's not why I chose to be a dental hygienist. Yeah, I totally get that. With uh, double hygiene, the way it works is that they do the polishing and the x-rays and like flossing and then the hygienist will like switch them. So the patients are there for a whole hour, but then you just switch patients, if that makes sense. Yes. And that's what I thought it was going to be. That's what I was sold at the interview. And so, you know, what I, uh, what I was told how things were going to be, and that was not how it was, but that was that would be more proper. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad that you're out of there. Do you practice clinically at all now? Um, I don't. Uh, today's RDH and all that. It's I I when they say no days off, um, that is not just a fun hashtag for me. That is my life. Um, and I'm not complaining. Like I chose this, right? Like I chose this. Um, before the lovely pandemic, um, I what am I trying to think? Volunteered. There are clinics around here that are actually attached to schools um, in my area and they treat all the kids in the entire school district up until the age of 18 and one specifically. And then another one opened right next to my old house. And so I would volunteer a lot. And so that's how I kept, you know, everything right now though, um, especially with how busy I am and we keep expanding with today's RDH with continuing education and things like that. Um, I do not work clinically. Now, with that said, I have team members and advisory board members and things like that, that it's like, I go to when it comes to stuff like that. I, cause I know the research or try to and protocols and, you know, the updated treatment protocols and all of that. But when it comes straight right down to like, Hey, how would you do this on I ask. Because, like, I, I'm not going to lie to people and be like, well, when I treat patients, no, when I treated past tense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's totally fair. I, I really like that. What is your current goal right now or the thing that you're working towards, your next thing that you're wanting to do? Oh, next thing. There's always a next thing. I have a whole list of next things. Um, right now, my focus is building our continuing education for hygienists. Um our, my biggest goal there is non-biased, um, not continuing education. That is an infomercial type of thing. And so that's, that's what we are trying to do. We have the live virtual CE events that we put on. And then we also have our self-study and we're building that library slowly, but surely quality over quantity. Bear with me, everybody. Um, and the biggest thing there again is the non-sponsored. We don't want this to just be selling a product. Um, so I'm, I'm really big. No, no, again, I'm not saying things that are sponsored are all biased. That's not true either. Um, but we don't want a CE course to be an infomercial. So that's, that's, that is our big, that's a big thing I'm focused on right now. And my entire team is. That's awesome. How can my listeners go to one of your CE events or how can they sign up for this? Um, on the Today's RDH website, so todaysrdh.com, there are tabs at the, well, it depends, I guess, where you're looking at. 
Um, but we have our, there's a, there's a place for our on-demand, we call them on-demand, you know, self-study CE courses. And then we also have a tab of, we do about six live virtual CE events a year. And we always have a tab up for that. It will show the previous one up until we're ready to roll with the next one. And so in, in if people sign up for like our weekly newsletter, you're, you're the first to know when those events are launched, but it's, yeah, it's all on the CSRDH website. Awesome. I will put all of those links to all of your social media and your website to the podcast notes so people can just easily access all of that. What would be your last word of advice for my listeners when it comes to research protocol or just like products in general? Any of those? Oh, man. Oh, and, and this sounds so trite. Uh, keep learning. Things change. Never stop looking into things. Keep an open mind. It's okay to change your mind. Do take the time though, not just for yourself, but do it, you know, to be the best clinician you can be, but you, you do it for your patients too, because I, that matters. That's why we do this. Right. And also on the same point, um, don't be careful where you work. Like if you're not in a good spot and you are thinking about like, this is not working. I'm not treating patients how I want based on current protocols and this research that you see um, right now, specifically, there's a lot of job options. Get on out, go get a new one. And I know change is hard, but man, do not make the mistake I did. I am telling you like from the bottom, like my very, every cell, every fibroblast in my mouth, <laughs> do not make the mistake I did. And not only hurts you and your patients, it doesn't help the hygiene profession rise. Thank you so much. That's perfect. I think that's a really good advice for a lot of hygienists because it's hard for change and, oh, yeah. and all of that and to learn it all. But thank you so much for being on my podcast today. Thank you. I am so happy that you like asked. I just, it's, I'm humbled. I'm humbled. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you again, Kara RDH, for being on the Yoga Teeth podcast today. I will put all her contact information, including how to sign up for CE courses and all her other wonderful things in the podcast notes. Thank you again for listening. If you have any mindful tips that can improve a dental hygiene career, I would love to hear them. I am always wanting to improve on this important topic. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Yoga Teeth. I'm Heather Bolton, the Yogi Hygienist. Namaste.